Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1172, air date February 23rd, 2023. So this Saturday, many of you know, we announced that we're running not only for U.S. Senate, but we're also putting our exploratory committee together to run for U.S. president. And again, the reason we're doing that, number one, is to build a movement. For all of you who are new, who are new to the orientation, welcome. Real change has only occurred in the world when people built movements. And when I say movements, it means people like me getting on the ground, going door to door. Um, the protests you've seen, I participated in, not these fake brown guys that they're putting up. You see that uh, the United States right-wing establishment has found some Indian guy, some Brahmin Indian guy to run, Okay and a brown skin face, and they're doing it. And it's very obvious because they want to make invisible our movement. And this guy's talking about, he's using the word movement suddenly, but I've never seen this guy on the ground doing anything. So those in power will start using the word movements. But let me tell you what a movement is when you knock on someone's door, when you hand out a flyer, when you go door to door, when you um, inspire people bottoms up, not being top down and using the word movement. So these people are really scumbags because they actually manipulate people by using the word movement when they have nothing about movement. Top down is not how movements take place. Movements take place bottoms up. All right. So what we've decided to do, to those of you who are new and want to welcome a lot of you, we're going to do a quick um, introduction. But before we do that, every orientation, I'm going to take the first 30 to 45 minutes and do a a, uh, talk on something very, very practical that will help you. These talks that we do on an ongoing basis are going to be on a flyer. And you yourselves can go invite people door to door. You can knock on your neighbor's door. You can say, hey, neighbor, I live in your local neighborhood. How would you like to learn about natural immunity? How would you like to learn about what the scientific method is? How would you like to learn how your body is a system? How would you like to learn to help your kid become an innovator, an inventor? How would you like to learn how to build a bottoms up movement? five to six topics, they'll be on this flyer. And you can, you're not going there to convince anyone. You're inviting them as a service to say, I want to share with you this knowledge because this knowledge is what is going to help you. So as a part of that series, one of the things we're going to teach people is what is the scientific method? What is the scientific method? Let's begin this talk by really understanding what is the scientific method? How many of you learned the scientific method? You should have learned it around seventh or eighth grade. Um, How many people learned it? Let's see. One, two. I see one hand raised, two hand raised. Jerome. Okay. So two out of around 44 people. Well, the scientific method, sorry, five people. So we we have about 20%, 10%. The scientific method is what will enable you to understand what is truth, what is a lie, what is evidence. So in today's conversation, you're going to learn what is the scientific method, but you're also going to learn the definition of evidence, E-V-I-D-E-N-C-E. What is evidence? And the reason this is important is that the left wing and the right wing take every issue and they make it a left and a right issue. And they purposely do not talk about evidence and they do not talk about truth. They give you either half truth or delayed truth or no truth or they conceal the truth. The talk I gave on Saturday, I went through the incident, some of you may know in Europe or wherever you are, there was a huge explosion of a uh, of a train, 53 train cars were derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. And a chemical, among other chemicals, vinyl chloride um, was essentially spewing everywhere. Now, vinyl chloride is a known carcinogen, scientifically known that it enters particularly the liver and it causes various types of cancers from the liver. Now, how did this occur? Well, you find out that the Obama administration had initially wanted to put these new types of modern brakes on these railroad vehicles. Eventually, by the time the bill actually got passed with all the lobbyists in the United States, they have paid in the United States has what's called sophisticated corruption. Other countries do open corruption. In the United States, a corruption is done by people called lobbyists. So the big railway companies hired these lobbyists who basically bribed the politicians, to put it simply, uh, 
to make sure that they would diminish the rules so they never really uh, fully uh, embedded that regulation. And obviously, the Obama administration, the Republicans and Democrats all complied. When Trump gave him into office, he completely eliminated it. Okay, so Democrats and Republicans don't give a damn about working people left and right. So they made sure that the railway companies could make immense profits and they didn't have to pay anything to put these modern braking systems in. So it's so black and white that both parties work together, both left wing and right wing in any country. All right. So those are facts, right? You see the the actual vinyl chloride, we have evidence of what it does in the human body. So let's begin in that background, explaining what the scientific method is. Now I've done, you know, I had to do a, um, a bachelor's thesis at MIT. I did two master's thesis and I did my PhD. Now, when you do a degree in engineering or science, you have to do two things. You have to come up with a hypothesis, some guess how you think nature works, and then you have to actually then get actually experimental data and validate does your guess match the experimental data, all right? So that is called the scientific method. Now, I have one of my theses here. I did this when I was in my 20s. It's called um, computational wave propagation in isotropic and anisotropic media using the generalized mass spring lattice model. What does this mean, all right? And, you know, if you go through the thesis, it's got, you know, lots and lots of equations like these. You guys can see it here. Okay. And equations upon equations. And it's a mathematical model that I built. And there's some diagrams you don't need to know, but I just want to let you know, there's a lot of geometry and mathematical diagrams. Now, what am I, what did I do in this thesis? Well, in the 1800s, there was um, a very famous scientist by the name of Lord Rayleigh, R-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H. If you've ever heard of Rayleigh waves, it is the destructive waves that actually cause the earthquake. You know, it's a surface wave. So Lord Rayleigh was um, really the father of uh, sound wave wave analysis. Um, and he was out of uh, England. And he had um, was doing a lot of exper not ex experiments in sound, but predictions, a lot of mathematics with pen and paper. And so Rayleigh had predicted that if you send a wave, a sound wave, in a particular type of media called an anisotropic media, which means the media is not have geometries which are very clean. So for example, if you take coal and you looked at it under a microscope, it has very um, uh, simple layers, okay? Diamond is a very complex structure, tetrahedral structure, okay? It's anisotropic. So Lord Rayleigh had predicted that if you send a sound wave, and he did it on pen and paper, they didn't have computers, they didn't have mathematical models, he couldn't see it, but he predicted with math and paper that if you send a wave through these kinds of materials, the wave would go through and it would twist like this and create a fishtail pattern, okay? A very So the wave would go through and over time would create this fishtail. So Rayleigh had predicted this on pen and paper. That is a hypothesis. Everyone understand that? So a hypothesis is a guess. You see an apple fall from the tree. And the first part of the scientific method is you make a guess. Oh, I think that apple, when it falls from the tree, it's being done because there's a giant dragon in the earth that's sucking down that apple. Okay? That's a theory. Someone else could say, I think there's something called gravity. A different guess. Someone could say, oh, I think there's a rubber band up there on the tree and it's pushing the apple down, okay? You could have various theories. And these theories, lowercase t, very important, lowercase t or a guess, lead you to now say, oh, when the apple falls, I'm going to come up with an equation that, that I can predict that that apple, when it falls from a tree of 10 feet high, it'll hit the ground in two seconds. And then you build what's called a mathematical model, a predictive model, right? You say that the height of the tree will determine how fast the apple will fall. And I can predict the speed of that apple, okay? So you come up with a mathematical model. Now, in my thesis, I had come up with a mathematical model. I literally figured out a way to model any type of crystal using masses and springs 
And then I was coming up with ways that could predict that phenomenon, okay, which people by in the modern world has actually seen. And I was trying to predict why that would occur. But anyway, so you have phenomenon in nature, and you as a person who's just observing nature, you make a guess. I think that occurs because of this. And you then you can say that event, you would try to come up with a mathematical model, okay? That's called a guess. Then what you do is you then go into the world and you drop different apples. Let's say you drop one from 10 feet high, 20 feet high, 30 feet high, 50 feet high, 1,000 feet high. And your model over here is going to have a prediction, right? Your model, when it's 10 feet high, may say it'll drop in two seconds. You put, you put in 50 feet, you run it through your model, say, oh, when it's 50 feet high, it'll drop in 10 seconds and so on, okay? So you have, so if on the x-axis, I put height, and on the y-axis, I put the number of seconds, the higher the height, the longer it'll take. So you'll have a curve like that. Everyone follow me? So that's your model. Then you will go into the real world and actually drop apples at different heights. And so if your curve goes like that, and the, and, and the actual measurements go like that, that means something's wrong with your guess. You got it? So if you predict as you increase height, the number of seconds is going to go up. So the curve goes like this. But then when you actually go look at the information, it's actually going down the opposite way. Okay? That means your guess does not match the actual observations in nature. Therefore, is your model right or wrong? It's wrong, okay? That means your guess is wrong, which means you have to go back to the drawing board. You have to come up with a new guess, okay? And you keep coming up with guesses and models that actually match and predict the phenomenon, okay? And when you predict it correctly, this gets down to the fact, what is evidence? What is evidence? You, everyone uses that word. word. In science, evidence, you may want to write this down, is reproducible predictions. That is evidence. Reproducible predictions. So that means if I can predict accurately that when the ball is at 10 feet high, it'll take two seconds. And then when I actually drop a ball, 10 feet high, it drops two seconds. And you repeat it over and over again, and it's the same. That is evidence, okay? Let's say one day you drop the apple at 10 feet and it, and it takes two seconds and another takes 50 seconds. And it, that's not evidence, okay? If your model is giving different predictions and it's not matching the reality, that means it's not reproducible predictions, okay? When your model matches reality, that becomes something very interesting in science called the law, L, capital L-A-W, okay? Newton came up with a very interesting model where he said the force, if you look at two objects, two masses, the force between them is equal to the gravitational attraction times the mass of one object times the mass of the other divided by the distance squared. So if things were very far away, two big masses, right? They would have a certain attraction, which would be obviously far less than if the objects were close, okay? So Newton came up with a mathematical model, and then he did experiments, and his mathematical model matched with the actual observations. That's why it's called Newton's law of gravitation. It was a law. No one else has disproved it yet, except when Einstein came and he noticed when you had things moving the speed of light, you had to add an additional change to Newton's laws. So even a law is a law until someone disproves it, okay? So just because, so you have a truth, Newton's law, which worked under certain conditions when things do not move the speed of light. But when things move the speed of light, you have, what we discovered was gravity actually influences space, okay? It can bend space and time. So that changed a lot of things. It didn't mean Newton's laws were wrong, but under certain conditions, you had to adjust it, all right? But the process of doing science is not an easy task. You do, you have to come up with a model. If it doesn't match, you have to go back to the drawing board, okay? 
And as Richard Feynman said, it doesn't matter how good looking you are. It doesn't matter how much money you are. It doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or Democrat. If your guess doesn't match the data, you're just wrong. It's wrong. Okay. Let me take an example of the climate change bullshit that's going on. That's a technical term. Okay. Because it is bullshit. So there was a hypothesis. Again, this is a hypothesis that if you look at CO2 levels, CO2 levels are directly correlated. So as temperature increases or as CO2 increases, temperature is going to increase. Okay? That's a hypothesis. All right. Or as CO2 level increases, the Arctic ice caps are going to start melting. Okay? More greenhouse gases more Arctic ice cap melt. That was a hypothesis, a guess. So what people then did, okay, is that they did something interesting. They went and they created a model, different mathematical models, okay? And the mathematical model that they um, created was to look at the world and just like I did with this thesis, which is a mathematical model, we had to take in many, many different variables and I created a model, but my model actually matched reality, okay? So these climate quote unquote science people took all these different variables and they all created different mathematical models on, on how much the ice caps are gonna melt. Okay, in fact, they have 110 different models. Different research groups did different mathematical models, okay? And they all predicted over from now until 2015 how much the ice caps are going to melt, okay? And then they scared everyone, oh, my God, the ice caps are going to melt. How did they create their models? Well, they have to go back to nature. And this is sort of the fundamentals of it. When you look at nature, you have something called the sun, which is about 6,000 degrees Kelvin, very hot. And the sun puts out radiation, which hits this little planet called Earth. So all this radiation is hitting about 340 watts per meter on a square meter. So if you look at a square meter of the Earth, 340 watts of energy is hitting that in that square meter. Now, the energy balances 140 watts per meter bounce off the atmosphere and they go back into space. That means 200 watts enter the atmosphere. Okay. And in order for the Earth to maintain its temperature, which is 15 degrees centigrade, the all that other 200 watts per meter of heat needs to be dissipated, right? It needs to get out. It's called an accounting. 340 come, 140 goes out. The 200 that comes in also has to get out or the Earth, or the earth is going to heat up, right? So how does that occur? Well, you know, there's another book I have here if you want to study. It's called Fluid Mechanics and Hydraulics. And again, you'll have many, many equations here. But when you do engineering fluid mechanics, you'll find out that you have two fluids, two turbulent fluids. The atmosphere, when you look at the atmosphere, it is a fluid, believe it or not. It's made up of air, okay? Air is a fluid. Um, it's a gas, right? It's a fluid. Um, so the air when the, within the atmosphere is doing all sorts of things. It's called a turbulent fluid. It's not a laminar fluid. So if you open up your faucet, when the water drops beautifully, that's called a laminar flow. We can predict that. A turbulent fluid, and if you like, you know, um, go in and, you know, put your hand in your water and you squash it, it's very turbulent, right? That's very hard to predict. The atmosphere is a turbulent fluid and it is governed by Navier-Stokes equation, which is, I'm not gonna get into detail, but there's physics to this. No one has solved for a turbulent fluid, the Navier-Stokes equation, for one turbulent fluid. It hasn't been solved. In fact, if any one of you solves it today, you can win a million dollars prize. So you have the atmosphere, which is a turbulent fluid, and then you have the oceans, which are a liquid turbulent fluid. One moves very fast, which is the atmosphere. The oceans move much more slower. So you have two interacting turbulent fluids. Now, why does this matter? Because that 200 watts per meter of energy that comes in gets dissipated back 
through what's called convection. What is convection? Convection is if you take a pot, for example, at home, and you put hot water on, you start heating it, you know, the steam that comes up, you'll see beautiful little things. That's called convection. The earth has a surface temperature of 15 degrees centigrade. And when all this radiation comes in through the mixture of the atmosphere and the ocean, which is a very complex equation, which is unsolvable, two turbulent fluids interact, and this convection takes place and that other 200 watts per meter is dissipated. Now, what can affect that dissipation? Greenhouse gases. Yes, greenhouse gases can, can, can contain some of that heat. And there's various types of greenhouse gases. Can CO2 increase that? Sure, but how much? In science, you can't just make statements, oh, it's going to increase the heat, we're all going to die. The issue is how much? And is there a correlation between as the CO2, let's say, grows at some level or any greenhouse gas, is that going to heat up the planet? So these guys made up all these models. In fact, 110 mathematical models were created by the IPCC's different organizations. Now, what did I say evidence is? Evidence is reproducible predictions. Reproducible predictions. So if you have 110 models, they should all be predicting how much ice should melt pretty close, shouldn't they? Agreed? If they're evidence. Well, when you look at the IPCC's data in their big book that they publish, one of the models predicts no ice will melt. One prediction. Another model predicts all the ice will melt. Another model predicts 75% of the ice will melt by 2050. In fact, if you look at it, it's like an ice cream flavor thing. There's zero, 10%, 20%, 30%. In fact, there's all flavors. None of those models predict the same number of how much Arctic ice is going to melt. That is not evidence. That's bullshit. Okay? It would be no different than 10 Isaac Newtons. One guy predicting, oh, when the apple falls, it'll fall in two seconds. Another guy says, no, no, it'll fall in one second. Another one saying it'll fall. It won't even fall or it'll fall in 50 seconds. You have so many different models. How can you say those models are predicting anything? None of them together. Oh, so what they did was they averaged all them together from zero to 100. Oh, it's 50% is going to melt. It's bullshit science. It is not science. What is the scientific method? The observation must match your models. The ob And if it doesn't, it's nonsense. Now, what's happened is the forces who want to convince the world that we need to sell electric cars like Elon Musk or Greta Thornburg or AOC who drive around in their Teslas have said that CO2 is an enemy and CO2 correlates with temperature, okay? And therefore, the fossil burning that we're doing is going to increase CO2 levels to such a level we're going to increase the temperature by, you know, five, five degrees and, the earth, and they're all going to burn, okay? When they do not have any idea about the complexity of these two turbulent fluids, plus they have no idea of how clouds work. Let me ask you guys a question, okay? How many of you, whether you're in this cold or really hot, have noticed that your body's temperature always maintains the same temperature, right? Am I right or wrong? John, can you just, um, let's ask uh, Michael and Crystal and Jerome the question about that. What is there, have, have they noticed whether in cold or warm, does their body's temperature change? Um. Well, Dr. Shiva, I, I'm not sure if it changes. I, I don't think I've taken my temperature, but my extremities get cold easily. I'd say that. Yeah, but your but your body's core temperature does not go below 98.6, right? Yeah, right. So you I, may have normal weather patterns, but your core temperature doesn't change. Mm -hmm. All right. This is very, very important. What this says is natural systems in the world, something called resilience. Very, very important to understand. No matter, you know, your body can be going through all, but 
from a resilient standpoint, your body knows how to maintain this homeostasis. Obviously, if you stay out there and you're frozen, right? That doesn't make sense, right? But the point is that the body has a very, very interesting ability to maintain this homeostasis because of something called resilience. In fact, um, Dick Lindzen at MIT figured out that the clouds actually have this thing called the iris effect. So if you look at over the many, many hundreds of millions of years, in fact, temperature has gone up and down and CO2 levels have gone up and down. In fact, CO2 levels have been 7,000 parts per million. In fact, we need CO2. And in fact, when you look at it, it's actually inverse correlation. There have been times when CO2 levels have been high, temperature's been low. When temperature's been high, CO2 levels have been low, okay? And so on. So we have basically a bunch of people gotten together who are not practicing the scientific method, have made up all this bullshit. And based on that, they've created a whole fiction. And Elon Musk is behind this. He gave a lecture several years ago, and I realized the guy's a complete buffoon. He's reading, using the word carbon and CO2 together. Again, that is very, very duplicitous to say the least. Either you're a complete moron or you're a liar. That would be like saying hydrogen and H2O are the same. Carbon and CO2. Carbon, and, and you watch his talk, and he's mixing them both. And then he says, see, this axis carbon is here, and see, temperatures are going up. Well, he's only looking at the last few hundred years. Go look at the whole thing. So him, Greta Thornburg, and AOC are all pushing this narrative. Why? Why? Why are they pushing fake science? He supposedly got an engineering degree. So either he was doing a lot of drugs and a lot of ecstasy and a lot of like he claims he does and he never attended class or he's an actor or he's a buffoon but surely he's not a scientist because you know when I wrote this thesis my advisor Jim Williams you have to be in science you every word you use better be correct you can't just use the word carbon and co2 anyone in engineering will throw you out of a room are you a fucking idiot they'll say you would never get a degree in any engineering school. So why is Elon Musk using the word carbon and CO2 like that? And why do they do that? Because they want to conflate in people's minds, carbon, the dirty stuff and CO2 are the same. Same thing, they use the word acidic. They say the oceans are getting more acidic. It's actually not true. The oceans can never get acidic. pH is zero to less than seven is acidic. Seven is neutral. Greater than seven is what's called alkaline or basic. I was at a talk where a scientist professor at BU who gets a lot of money on climate change was saying the oceans are getting more acidic. John, can you find that video that the Frank did? Okay. And you will find that I was the only one on the talk who was a scientist, 140 people at a library. And I said, what do you mean the oceans are getting acidic? They can't be acidic. They shut my question down. Eventually the cops were called because I asked another question and they shut down the lecture. This is in Massachusetts in a library that because I questioned the scientist bullshit, the police were called in to shut down a lecture of 140 people. John, did you find it? No, I'm looking for it. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you'll see Andover Public Library. All right, Dr. Shiva Idari, try to find it. But anyway, why is this occurring? This is occurring because A, a lot of people don't know science anymore. They're teaching people humanities and watching movies and all this crap. But the average human being who knows Shakespeare doesn't know the second law of thermodynamics. There is a very famous guy called C.P. Snow, and everyone should read his essay called Two Cultures. And he was a physical chemist, but he was also one of the, a great writer. And he said that he would go to these parties in England and just to screw with people. I mean, these were all the people who are hoity-toity, you know, thinking they knew it all. 
and they would all talk about Shakespeare. And he goes, oh, it's nice you know Shakespeare, but you know the second law of thermodynamics. And they would get very annoyed. Shakespeare and the thermo second law of thermodynamics should be taught together, science and literature. These people knew nothing about the second law of thermodynamics. They didn't even know what it was. Yet they would talk so, they all had degrees out of big institutions. We have a lot of idiots who, get, who are graduating today who do not know the scientific method. Big degrees. Liberal elites. And on the right wing, you have people who don't know the scientific method and don't argue with them properly. So you have this left-right bullshit that takes place. But our movement today is teaching everyone the scientific method. The scientific method means you make a guess, you come up with a mathematical model, you test it. If the data doesn't match your model, you're wrong. That means you didn't figure out the science. Okay? That's how simple it is. It's just black and white. So I, did, I couldn't get this thesis out of MIT unless my model matched the physics. In fact, I did this model and another thesis, I was able to replicate that fishtail which people had observed perfectly. Perfectly. We can predict exactly where the earth will be at any point using Newton's equations. That is called science. That is called evidence. Reproducible predictions. All right? We have way too many people with a lot of fucking opinions now on social media who don't understand science. Your opinion doesn't matter, frankly. Opinions don't matter when it comes down to CO2 and the temperature. There is no science showing how much this will correlate. It's a very complex system. In fact, some will argue that the last ice age was about a couple hundred, a hundred years ago. We are going through a natural warming period and we're going to go through another mini ice age. The weather climate is always changing. Just like at any point in your body, right? There's different events taking place. The other thing that they do is they come up with the average temperature of the earth. How did they get this average temperature? Well, they put little sensors all over the world. So, you know, it could be negative 50 degrees in the Arctic and it could be, you know, in the, in the Sahara, you know, you know, hundred degrees at a different times. And they just average this shit together and they're coming up with an average temperature. It's the most idiotic science you can think about. But the reason this is happening and people are getting away with it because of the immense amount of money involved. Most of the scientists have become prostitutes. They practice the oldest profession. And it is our movement with this talk that we are going to educate people door to door to door on what is the scientific method. We'll do it again six weeks from now. Next week, I'm going to be doing a talk on natural immunity. But once you understand the scientific method, you can't bullshit people. All right. We are not here to please people. We're not here to convince people. We're here to go down to hard earned truths. Truth is very difficult to earn. And a lot of people out there don't work hard anymore. They just talk bullshit. You go talk to a good carpenter. It takes a lot to build something. Go talk to a good electrician. Go talk to a good landscaper. Go talk to someone who has to weave something. Go talk to an engineer. Go talk to a software engineer to get a piece of software to really work. You have to do a lot of work, but scientists who just fit a bunch of data to a line can bullshit people, but people who work with their hands cannot. If you look at the climate change thing, you'll notice something interesting. Most people work with their hands. Surgeons are very different than an MD. Surgeons actually have to go in there and do stuff. And so they, most of those people don't believe in the climate change bullshit. The people who believe this stuff are people who live in this fantasy world. Oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I read Shakespeare. Great. But you don't know shit about what's going on in the world. Oh, I have a degree in sociology. Great. But you don't know how things work. People who have to work with their hands, make stuff, have common sense because you're dealing with natural laws every day. People who don't have to do with that make up bullshit. Lawyers make up bullshit. Politicians make up bullshit. A salesman makes up bullshit. A bartender, AOC, makes up bullshit. A guy like Bernie Sanders, who never freaking worked a day in his life, is a bullshitter. 
Donald J. Trump is a bullshitter. He never built buildings. I'm sorry, this is all myth. Every business he died, he blew them up, okay? So don't give these people credit. They know how to message stuff. Working people get up four in the morning, five in the morning, go work in a railroad, work, do this. Those are people who have to deal with reality. My mom worked in a factory. She has to deal with reality. A guru doesn't have to deal with reality. He sits there on his fat ass with a turban and a beard and he talks bullshit all day. Let him go work a little bit. It's time we had a righteous anger against these people who do not work and have to deal with nat nature's laws. And you had respect for your fellow working people who have to deal with nature's laws every day. My friend Frank Licata can't wire two fucked up things together and say, oh, I, I, you know, everything's fine. It's my opinion. No, you're going to blow up the house. There's no opinion when it comes to science. I don't give a fuck about your opinion. It's wrong. You have a lot of millennials running around with opinions. A lot of idiots on social media running around with opinions. And so you have everyone being bamboozled. But when you go to the scientific method, it doesn't matter, Richard Feynman said, how good looking you are, whether your name is Kardashian or Kennedy or whatever the fuck it is. If you cannot show that the observations match your models, you're just wrong. So shut the fuck up. So our movement is based on actual principles. So those of you who are new, we teach the scientific principles of, this, of science of systems. You start with the fact there is evidence, there's something called the nature transport, movement of information, matter, and energy. It's everywhere. There's something else called conversion, the ability to convert energy from one form to another, information from one form to another. That's called a conversion principle. And then there's another phenomenon called storage, things that store stuff, provide structure. Those are three scientific principles that I've shared with you, which most of you will never learn in grade school, high school, college. You will learn it here. In fact, most engineers don't even learn those principles. But it is those three forces among six others which govern everything in existence. And our movement has to do the hard work of teaching people these scientific principles because the school systems aren't teaching them. We're going to go door to door to door and teach people those principles. And you can teach those principles to your neighbor. Do it as a service. Because without those principles, these people are going to be jumping to one idiot, one 2022, 2024, or another idiot over here. And they're all going to base it on some freaking emotion. Ooh, he looks good. He's got a good haircut. Nice tan. Ooh, nice outfit. Meanwhile, you don't, you can't afford those outfits or those tans or that kind of nonsense. Yet people are voting for these fools who know nothing, who don't even work. Ivanka Trump doesn't fucking work. AOC doesn't work. Bernie Sanders doesn't work. These gurus do not work. Tucker Carlson doesn't work. He's an actor. So our movement's about having respect for nature, for these principles, for yourself, and for work, labor. Go snuggle. Have, have any of these people ever shoveled their own sidewalks? I don't think so. Do they actually go do any work ever? When you work, when you have to move information, matter, and energy, and you have to use your creativity, you're making something, to me, that's, you're doing honest labor, and you respect that. Yet, we keep voting for these morons. And we think they're going to save us. And this is a brainwashing that's done every microsecond, millisecond against you. That's really the war against you, to demean you, to make you think you're less. And our movement is about one thing. It's about you. It's about you having respect for yourselves, you having recognizing, I got to connect with my neighbors. I'm going to go invite them to understand the scientific method. I'm going to teach them how their body is a system so they can be their own doctors. Our movement is the one who saved millions of people's lives talking about natural immunity. Now the New York Times has an opinion piece, masks weren't good. We did that in 2019, guys. So who will you follow in 2023, 2024? Me, our movement, or morons? Will you follow yourself and other people on this call, or are you going to follow morons?
It's really up to you. There is no boogeyman out there controlling us. It's our own lack of respect and dignity for ourselves. We outsource our future to morons. There's more of us than them. So why does this occur? Because it's really a mind-fucking game that they do. Transport, conversion, storage, three scientific principles. Well, I discovered that those same principles occur in Eastern systems of medicine 5,000 years ago, and they also occur in politics. Truth, freedom, and health, freedom, movement of information, matter, and energy, transport, truth. What I just explained to you, the scientific method is a method of converting all your crazy ideas to finding out what truth is. It's a conversion process. We had a guy here who would just sit on his chair, this big, big guy. I don't know, Dr. Shiva, I don't know if truth is a process. I don't know. But it is. And you, and you can see him just sitting like a lump on a log. He never got out, handed out a flyer, never did anything productive, but would sit there talking fucking theory all day. You cannot learn science and theory without actually doing stuff. You can talk about gravity all day, but jump, you know, jump 10 feet, you'll feel it. You can't study this stuff in a vacuum. But truth is a process. It comes from the scientific method. Okay? Health is the infrastructure of you. If you don't have health, you cannot do anything. Nothing. If you don't have the infrastructure of this house, you can't do anything. So truth, freedom, and health are directly related to the, the scientific principles of transport, conversion, storage, which have been discovered as laws of the universe for thousands of years. So when we say truth, freedom, and health, we're not raising anything above them. They're all equal. Our movement is built on science, on hard-fought knowledge that has taken people millennia to learn. People's names who you don't even know figured this stuff out. And they weren't the Kardashians. They weren't the Trumps. They weren't these fools. There were people who sweated, went into a little laboratory, did an experiment without any sex or fanfare. And that's who we should respect. Our movement is really about self-respect and giving dignity to those people who work. And when you apply the scientific method and you look at the data of how things have ever changed in history, go apply the scientific method, not your ideas, but actually look at the data. Go look at the data. When did we eliminate child labor? When did we get the right to vote? A lot of imperfections there. When did we get highways and roads? When did all these events occur? And you will find out that they occurred not by the Kennedys helping us, not by Martin Luther King doing a speech, a controlled speech. It occurred because of vibrant militant movements took place bottoms up. Not violent movements, but organized movements of working people. And ever since those movements like that took place, those in power have been trying to distract people using all types of methodologies to make sure we don't come together. And first of all, acknowledge that truth and keep getting distracted. Oh, did you see Tucker Carlson today? What a great talk he gave. Bullshit. Two years later, three years later. Oh, my God. Alex Jones. Oh, my God. Sadhguru. What a wonderful guy. You got to be vaccinated to go to all of his ashrams. So we so quickly want to find these fake heroes. What is it in us that does not have any respect for ourselves? You have to ask that question. Because when you look at the arc of history as data, you will find out when people mobilized, change occurred like that. And they in power do not want you to have your own dignity to organize and understand that scientific truth. Well, our movement won't allow it because our movement exists. We figured it out. And it is a movement like ours has never existed in history. So I don't want to hear about other fucking movements. They're nowhere near this. They're mimics. They may try to copy our stuff, but they haven't founded on these scientific principles. They're not educating people every week. They haven't created a course. They don't have volunteers. They don't have 200 million people understand this. We're not a legal movement. We're not a electoral movement. We're a movement of you. And that is what we've built here. And it is a very, very sacred thing we put together. And we have to grow this movement. Now, we lay down all the infrastructure. 
the computing infrastructure, the hardware infrastructure, the educational infrastructure, the, the people. But each one of you has a historic opportunity to be leaders. Take this knowledge, understand it, commune with your fellow human beings, start going door to door. Bring people to these orientations. Next week, it's going to be on natural immunity. We're going to teach people, this is your immune system. This is why no one individual's immune system can be based on the same inputs. Everyone is unique. And what can you do to support and create a resilient immune system? The week after, bring all your kids. We're going to teach people the seven secrets of innovation. They make it, oh my God, you got to go to Harvard and be a dropout and look like a fucking nerd. And then you get to invent something. No, it's not true. Innovation occurs anytime, anyplace, by anybody. Innovation is in people's DNA. You see, that's another elitist model that they've done. How many, you know, it's very interesting. You know, there, you know, when I created the first email system, I did it before I came to MIT. Philo Farnsworth invited, invented TV, a 14-year-old boy in Franklin, Idaho. And by the way, there's a lot of dark people who've actually invented stuff, but they don't get anything because the real liberal white supremacists, they've actually created white supremacy because they want to divide black people and white people up. So they create this thing called white supremacy. Elizabeth Warren is a white supremacist. Most of the professors are white supremacists because they want white people to feel a little bit better than their black people. And then they have the right wing white people not want to talk about racism when there is a real racism. So they've created all these very, very nuanced ways of dividing people. But the reality is there's a lot of smart people, black, white, yellow, brown, poor whites, right? And they never get the day in the sun because those in power want to say, you have to look like this and be like this. And I know this personally with the invention of email. Walter Isaacson writes a book in the middle of the fabricated controversy. Everyone is white. I'm sorry. It's not true. Now, why did he do that? Because the white supremacists at Harvard actually exploit everyday white working people. That's what they do. It's very clever. So they have blacks and whites fighting against each other. And over here is a real white supremacy, like the real terrorism is up here. So when we do our campaign, we're going to do an end white supremacy march on Elizabeth Warren's house. We're going to march on Harvard. It's time that white people recognize that there is a white supremacy. White people must call out white supremacy. That's what they don't want people to do. Not the liberal woke white supremacists. Those are the real white supremacists. So we're going to talk about racism, but from a scientific standpoint. It's like America going and invading all these other poor countries and then calling them terrorists. Yeah, there is a real terrorist. It's the United States military industrial complex. And they don't want to use the word terrorism. So we must use these words because they've made these words standard thing. And they've told certain people not to use these words. So our movement will take every issue, rip it apart and go to the heart of it and bring out the real solution. That's what we do. We can't afford to be bullshitted anymore. And you cannot afford to just outsource your future to these morons. One of the things that the, out of all the 8 billion people in the world, there's 4% of those people, 320 million people who have something called the First Amendment. And those people happen to be in the United States. Those people have a huge duty to the rest of the world. The other, you know, nine, uh, sorry if I get my math right, the other 7.7 billion people who don't have those rights. So people in America, you can't be fat, dumb, and lazy. You have these rights, which come at the exploitation of the other 7.7 billion people. Let me explain that, okay? They do. So those of us in the United States who have these rights, we better fight harder than those people who don't have those rights. It's our duty to all working people. So our movement teaches people that. It took many thousands of years for the human mind to try to figure out what truth was. And it constructed this thing called the scientific method. We have that, it's a tool. And that tool allows us to separate the wheat from the chaff, bullshit from reality, okay? And it is what science is supposed to be based on or what truth should come out of. Those in power today do not practice the scientific method. They practice it when they choose to practice it. So they can now make up anything. 
They can make up climate change. They can make up, yeah, we all need to be vaccinated with this one indication, with this one solution, right? Forgetting the reality of the immune system. So it's a very dangerous time we live in because you constrain freedom, transport, movement of information, matter, and energy, which chokes science, the ability to convert ideas to this. And then at the end of the day, you screw up people's health. Now, the good news about our movement is you're looking at a scientist and an inventor and an engineer and someone who gets on the ground and likes to raise hell. And and what we want to teach people is that you cannot divorce from being a scientist, from being a warrior and being a health activist. They're all integrated. We want all of you guys to be real scientists. We want all of you to be healthy. And we want all of you to fight for freedom. You can't separate them. You can't say, well, I'm a scientist working. No, you're not really a scientist because you're not among people. Your science is actually pretty blinded. And you can't really be a health activist if you're just sitting there doing yoga asanas under a tree all day and thinking you know it all. Because your health, your understanding of health is limited because you've divorced yourself from the fight for freedom. So you have to be a freedom fighter. You have to be healthy and you have to be a scientist. All three, truth, freedom, and health. You cannot separate these. And that is why when you look at the fruits of our movement, we're the ones who called out Fauci first, period. We saw him, what he was. And we, and not only did we call him out, we ran a fire Fauci campaign. We collected the petitions. We went on the ground. We just didn't sit up here and say, oh, we're running a movement. Second, it was our movement that educated people on the importance of vitamin D3, quercetin, zinc. We wrote a letter to Trump and then we did hundreds of videos educating hundreds of millions of people. We saved many people's lives, right? Taking truth and freedom of health to the masses. And it was this movement that exposed that the government has a backdoor portal to all social media companies. And we have we, we don't have the First Amendment, not Elon Musk. He had to spend $44 billion for that. We spent zero. And we did that. He's a moron being projected by the media as some savior. Don't give these people an inch. So in closing, the power of the scientific method comes down to you being honest, looking at the evidence, which is reproducible predictions, do they exist? And are people practicing the scientific method? On climate change, there is no scientific method being practiced. On this issue of vax, anti-vax is bullshit, there's no scientific method being practiced. And when you practice a scientific method, you're always two to three years ahead. That's where our movement is. On every one of these issues, we will always be two to three years ahead. And the only thing that we need to do now is folks like you just have to go to people and take ownership. Hey, it was our movement that did that. Why are you following this idiot? You want to be fooled for another four years? Do you want to get half-assed solutions? Ask them that. Why do you abuse yourselves? Okay? All right, everyone. Thank you.